Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast. Andre Gallagher and the Knicks clinch a playoff berth. Now that it's the top six seeds. You know, I would say with this new playing tournament, the seventh and eighth seed get wildly disrespected. Like you had a terrible season. Once upon a time, if you made the playoffs, it's like you made the playoffs. Now if you're the seventh and eighth seed, it's like you're trash. But you didn't want to be in that play-in. Nobody wants to be in that play-in. The Knicks made that top six seed. They earned it. Give them give them credit. No Randall. Brunson was out a bunch of games. This Knicks, this Knicks team just keeps playing and playing and grinding and grinding. That game against the Cavs, you heard me talk about it. I told you it was probably going to be a loss. Not this team. And I guess Brunson's okay. Uh, I mean, I guess he's okay. He... Injury, injured foot, injured hand, 48 points on the Cavs. One of the best defensive teams in the league. That was a gutsy win, and you keep expecting this team to lose those games. They have these close games down the stretch against these good teams. You keep expecting them to lose these games. And sometimes the analysis from... You know, the fans and and local critics, I'm not going to say national because they're starting to overrate the Knicks at this point. They kind of look at the team through neg- a negative lens sometimes because they expect them to lose these games. It's like you're conditioned to see the Knicks lose these games. But the reality is they've been winning these games. They've been winning these games for the whole entire second half of the season, especially since, since Josh Hart got here. They've been winning these games. I want to say after a rough spot, the first six, seven weeks of the season, the Knicks have been solid down the stretch a lot of the, at a, uh, in a lot of these games. Mostly because of Brunson now. He's missing free throws and so is IQ, and that's a little cause for concern. But this team has been good down the stretch of games. And I talked about this all the way in the preseason. I said the Knicks had to develop habits and confidence in each other down the stretch of games so that they know that they can win those games. Because when a team has been losing for a long time, that's where they struggle. They struggle down the stretch of games. A lot of these losing seasons the Knicks have had, you would think the Knicks would just get blown. And this is true for a lot of bad teams. You would think the team just gets blown out every night. That's not that's not how it works. Most of the time, they stay in the game down the stretch. And you've seen that with some of the bad teams the Knicks have played. They stay in the game, and then down the stretch, that's where they falter. And next thing you know, you're a losing team, and you feel like you're in a lot of games. The Knicks were on that path earlier in the year, and then they turned it around. And now you have to have a little bit of confidence that the Knicks are going to find ways to win games, these tough games down the stretch. Whereas you didn't have it earlier in the season, but they've proven at this point that they can do it. And that game against the Cavs, that was that was a game that the Cavs were expecting to win. And I understand they didn't have Jared Allen. That's big. They didn't have Okoro. And the Knicks didn't have Randall. So it was not exactly how it was going to go down. But the Knicks, the Cavs were expecting to win that game. They came out expecting to crush the Knicks. Donovan came out, lights out again, an amazing player. And and Brunson sitting there matching him shot for shot. It's almost like it's almost like Drago coming out trying to beat the mess out of Rocky and Rocky's still standing. 
is the Cavs were kind of shell-shocked by the time halftime came around. This team is still here, and they're, and they're beating you now. And if you listen to the Cavs talk about it after the game, especially Donovan, it was kind of like that. It was like, hey, this is, this is a tough team. <laughs> you know, this the, the Cavs have been winning games now. <laughs> the Cavs are not no punks. They've been winning games without Jared Allen. And Okoro is an important, he's... He's a 3 and D guy now. He wasn't always a three-part. He was just a D-part. But now he's a 3 and D guy. He's been making that shot the second half of the season. He's important to what they do. He's one more defender that they can throw at Brunson. So, of course, going into the playoffs, things are going to be a little bit different. And having Jared Allen at the front of the rim, things are going to be a little bit different. We all get all of that. I'm just saying, with the pieces they had on Friday, they should have been able to beat the Knicks at home. And the Knicks would have none of it. None of it. And understand it. The Knicks are 3-1 and one against the Cavs this year in the regular season. Again, it doesn't mean much going into the playoffs. We know that. But the Cavs are a better team, and the Knicks are 3-1 and one against them. Listen, this is a tough squad. Enjoy this squad while you can. They're going to go into this Cavs series, assuming they keep this fifth seed. They're going to go into this Cavs series with the whole world saying the Knicks should beat the Cavs and they're probably going to lose because the Cavs are obviously the better team objectively overall, even though the matchups in the regular season do not express that. As you should know, the matchups in the regular season don't mean anything going into the playoffs. You saw the Knicks dominate the Hawks a couple of years ago in the regular season and they got smacked around in the playoffs. This is not a good matchup for the Knicks. They have the better play, have the best player on the floor. They have good interior defense. They have good perimeter defense. Not the best matchup for the Knicks. And they're objectively the better team on the season. Came into the season as a better team. Not a great matchup for the Knicks. And a lot of people are going to pick, pick the Knicks to win this series. But the Knicks are literally, literally the underdog in this series. So do not think to judge the Knicks season based on whether or not they beat the Cavs. Because that's the, that's the build up to tear down nonsense that you always see. The Knicks are the fifth seed. They don't have home court advantage. They're not going to have it. They have not been better than the Cavs all year long. They they do not have any reason to think the Knicks should be favorited in this series, other than the fact that you think the Knicks can beat them. And that's very different. Anybody can beat anybody. It doesn't mean they should be picked to win the series. And I'm seeing so many people pick the Knicks to win the series for no good reason. You can't use a regular season matchup as a reason. And if you look at the matchups on the floor, the Cavs have the best player and they have good interior defense. They have good they have a good defense overall. So to to expect that the Knicks are gonna go in there and just whip up on the Cavs without even home court advantage it just is one thing to pick them because you want to be different, you know, they're the underdog, they have a chance to win. It's a whole nother thing that make the Knicks a favorite just so just so the the, the series or the, the season become becomes a disappointment if they don't win. And then it becomes disaster. Because that's the way it is. They don't win a series that people expect them to win. It was the same thing against the Hawks. It was like the series or the season was a disaster. This season is a success already. Being a top six team, the way things shook out, being a top six team, already, already a success. You want to be the guy that has a more macro perspective and say, oh, but they're still not close to winning the chip and blah, blah. Listen, man, most of these teams in this league are not close to winning the chip. 
all Knicks fans want the Knicks to win the chip. You want to see progress towards it towards a chip. The Knicks are as close to winning a chip as anybody in the league stands about five teams. Okay? They have their picks. They have some good players. They're not cap they're not like super cap locked. Not by any stretch. They have some options. They have a little flexibility. They're in good shape. They're not the Bucks. They're not the Sixers because they don't have MB. They don't have Giannis. They're not Boston, but things are a little shaky in Boston right now. They're not playing all that well. And now you're hearing rumors about Jalen Brown maybe not wanting to stay there. It's going to be a little expensive. The Celtics are not going to be able to keep this entire team together for years and years and years. But they're not Boston. Okay? They're not Denver. You know, they're not a lot of the higher-end Phoenix. They're not a lot of the higher-end teams in the league, but no one is. They have an opportunity to keep getting better. They're not locked into where they are. So you enjoy this season. And I told you earlier in the year, talking to Antonio Daniels and Rick Campbell on NBA radio, they tried to they tried to dismiss me. They tried to shun me. They tried to make the point that the Knicks should have made. I'm not going to get into the trade, but they, they should have made the Donovan Mitchell trade because even though it wouldn't have made them a contender, they would have been taking steps towards becoming a contender. They would make the playoffs. They would get the experience to start building a foundation, which is all nonsense because the Knicks made the playoffs two years ago. And what happened last year? Okay, that was all nonsense. The Knicks are as close to winning a championship as the Cavs are right now. Was that true coming into the season? No. The Cavs were the better team getting Donovan Mitchell, and then he added Donovan Mitchell and made them exponentially a better team than the Knicks. But the Knicks, because Jalen Brunson, the underrated acquisition coming into the season, because they got Jalen Brunson, is because Jalen Brunson is a superstar. Let's stop it. The Knicks are a superstar away still, sure. But Jalen Brunson is a superstar. Any way you slice it, any way if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. Everything you want from a superstar, Jalen Brunson gives it to you. Is he the A1 guy? Is he Jason Tatum? And B, no, he's not. But he is a superstar. He is a guy that's clutched down the stretch. He's a guy that every team has to stop in order to stop your team. And teams are struggling to do it. Now they got to double team him. That's a superstar. That's a superstar. He's every bit, he's every bit of superstar as much as any a lot of these guys around the league outside of the top seven eight guys in the league. He's been unstoppable, and he's been a better player than most people thought he was gonna, he was going to be coming into this team. So now the Knicks are to me they're just as close, and they don't have a player as good as Donovan Mitchell, but. You can't tell me that the Cavs are going to be three games better than the Knicks in the regular season, but be head and shoulders above them in terms of a championship contending team. Those two things don't add up. It's not like the Cavs were resting players all year and, you know, the regular season didn't mean anything to them. No, the Cavs played. They had injuries just like everybody else. The Cavs played. Donovan played. Yeah, excellent season, amazing season. They played hard all year, and they ended up three games ahead of the Knicks, and the Knicks had ups and downs all year. Knicks had to make changes to their rotation. The Knicks have had injuries. They had to make trades. The Knicks easily had three more wins. Sometimes when people say, 
a team they what they lost games they should have won. They don't ever consider the games that they won they should have lost. The Knicks don't have a ton of games that they won that they should have lost. They don't have a ton of those games where they got real lucky at the end. You know, the Miami game maybe in the Garden. There's maybe two or three games at most that you can go back and say the Knicks had no business winning that game, but the Knicks found a way to win it. And I'm not talking about, you know, they missed free throws all throughout. I'm talking about down the stretch of the game, they came back from 15 points down in the last five minutes and won the game. I'm talking, that's what I'm talking about. Knicks don't have a ton of those games, but they have like five or six <laughs> games where they were the team that was ahead. They should have won. The Dallas game comes to mind. They got shafted by the refs, and they and they threw up all over themselves. These are games that they had won, and they lost. There were a few of them. The Memphis game at the, at the Garden, that was another one. Remember, the Knicks, when they were talks about firing Thibodeau, the Knicks had lost three games in a row at home, and they didn't get blown out. They lost them down the stretch. The Chicago game. With uh, the Rosen and the missed free throws from Brunson. There were plenty of games like that for the Knicks. Where they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Not as many on the opposite end. And now you look at the standings and they're three games behind the Cavs who have played hard all year long. But you want to make the argument the Cavs are head and shoulders better than the Knicks are in terms of their championship prospects? Huh? Huh? How? Because they have Donovan? You know Donovan was in the league last year, right? Who beat Donovan last year? I'll wait. It was Jalen Brunson who lit Donovan and the Utah Jazz up. And I don't care what ex- what, what excuses, what nuances you want to throw at me. Donovan Mitchell is better this year than he was last year. Sure, I get it. I get it. But Jalen Brunson and the Dallas Mavericks, who are about to finish within the top 10 and, and end up taking the Knicks picks away, the top 10 in the lottery, that same team, okay, beat the Utah Jazz primarily because Jalen Brunson was a, was giving you a hint as to what kind of player he was in that series. And now you're telling me because they got Donovan Mitchell, their head and shoulders better than the Knicks in terms of championship prospects in the next few years? That's a lot to say. Now, I understand you could say that in the beginning of the season, but to say it now, like, what are you basing it on? They beat them in the playoff series? All this to say that if you're a Knicks fan, you have no reason not to enjoy this team. Enjoy this team. Enjoy the playoffs. Root for your team. Root that that team is going to find a way to win that Cavs series, the way they find ways to win games this last stretch, since I guess all since Josh Hart. It started before that, but since Josh Hart. Winning tough games against teams that are desperate to win. Okay? This team has been tried and tested all year. And for a majority of the season, they have fought tooth and nail. And you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Anything else is nonsense. And some of you fans out there, you're nonsense not rooting for this team and not enjoying what you're seeing. What are you what are you enjoying? You think every other fan base don't have similar concerns? You got teams that are capped out with no picks. If they don't win the chip in the next year or two, you can forget it. 
That's not where this team is. Let's talk about some problems this team is running into. Talking about some problems that are sitting tied up on the train tracks and the train is coming. The train is coming and it's going to knock everybody out. This Julius Randle slowing the offense down, not not encouraging ball movement, the ball movement you've seen the last few games. The ball movement that has made Quentin Grimes a much better player. And I understand that some of that started while Julius Randle was playing. You know, this little run he's been on, he's averaging almost 20 points a game, like the last five games. But the offense and the pace has been so much better without Julius Randle. I'm not a Julius Randle hater, and there's a lot of that going on on Twitter. But I'm telling you, that problem is sitting on the tracks, and it's about to get smashed. Because when Julius Randle comes back, not only is he going to be rusty, assuming he comes back in the playoffs, not only is he going to be rusty, but he's going to be aggressive. He wet the bed against Atlanta Hawks a few years ago, and you know he wants to... He wants to come back and he wants to prove himself. He wants to make up for it. You know he's going to come out ultra aggressive. You know he's going to play the game he's played all year long. He's going to be rusty. He's going to. He's not going to be fully healed from that ankle because they said he would be reevaluated in two weeks, and that's when the playoffs start. So he, number one, if he does play, which I'm assuming he would because he's a tough guy, he's not going to be the same player. Not going to be the same player, but he's going to act like he's the same player, and that's going to hurt the team. It's going to hurt the team. I don't care how you slice it. Unless he comes with a mindset that Julius Randle has not shown himself to have. Even when he has turned down the offensive aggression because he's off or the team was losing, even going back to last year, he becomes almost like flatline passive offensively where he's not looking at the rim anymore. He's just passing the ball around. He's just kind of going through the motions instead of actually being an active participant in an offense where the ball is moving and being ready to take advantage of the opportunity when the ball finds him, he's instead kind of being like passive aggressive about it. And there's a lot of Randall shade off of Obi Toppin's game. We had a good game yesterday against the Wizards. Some of that is just overstated. They played the Wizards. The Wizards has stayed sat a lot of their starters. It's overstated. But listen, there is something to the ball movement with no Julius Randle. There's something to it. The pace of the game, and some of this was blamed on Brunson. And I do think Brunson has changed. Again, a lot of you guys, you never pay attention to change. You you were wrong at one point, then a player changed, and now you start you know, throwing a parade for yourself, taking victory laps. No, you were wrong before. <laughs> The player got better at something that he was clearly not good at. He improved. You see that a lot with Quickly, where people have been asking for Quickly to play more for years and years and years. And like I said, last year was definitely a debacle and he should have played more. People have been asking for Quickly to play more for years and years and years. And the argument was, well, Quickly is not being good. He wasn't good last year. His numbers weren't good last year. And in the start of the season, his numbers weren't good. And then people say, oh, see now, look how good Quickly is. Now that he's playing, it's like, and he's also playing better. Because Quickly started playing more before he started playing this good offensively. The numbers reflect that. 
There were rotation changes back in November that added to him playing more minutes, and he still wasn't shooting well. And there were more rotation changes made uh, in in early December, and there was a week a week or so where he still didn't play well. <laughs> Offensively, I'm not talking about floor game wise. Been saying all year long that his floor game has been excellent, but in terms of shooting the ball, he struggled. And then he started to shoot the ball well, and he started playing great offensively, and everyone would say, oh, I told you so. Like, that's not how any of this works. And Jalen Brunson was responsible for holding the ball too long. He was, and, and it was working for the most part. It just didn't work in certain instances, so it was like putting a magnifying glass over it in certain spots, especially where the Knicks lost down the stretch of some games where they started holding the ball, holding the ball, holding the ball, and not making good plays offensively at the end. And Brunson was was largely responsible for that and Randall as well. When Brunson is not playing well offensively, when he's not lights out, then him holding the ball and isolating and not moving the ball, it's it you know, it shines a light on it. And it looks really, really bad. But when he's playing well, it doesn't look near as bad. So that's been the story for most of the year. But recently, his isolation game has been quicker. And I've said this probably 10 shows ago. He can do his isolation game. He just has to be quicker about it. And when I say he can do, meaning it's not he was successful in what he was doing. And the team was successful against a lot of opponents. But against some opponents, it really didn't, you know, it wasn't nearly as effective because Either they had better defenders or they had a better scheme to stop him. So when you hold the ball that long and you don't move the ball and they're stopping you, it just really it sucks the, the juice and energy out of the team. When you make these decisions quicker, whether it's a shot or just move the ball, that's when everybody gets into it. And now you start to see some of the talent that's on the team and some of the things that they can do. And I remember having this argument early in this summer. And again, I'm not relitigating the Donovan Mitchell trade, but part of the Donovan Mitchell trade was that there was an underrating of the Knicks players. Quickly, I'll leave Obi out of it because he hasn't had a great year and you know he's playing behind Randall who hasn't necessarily gotten a fair shot. But quickly and Grimes specifically, and McBride to a lesser degree, there was an underrating of how good they were. Not to say that they're Hall of Famers, okay? But they were not being rated as players with the potential that they've shown and and proven this year. They were being treated as throw-ins in a trade, and hey, maybe, maybe we'll get something out of them. And when you heard people talk about the trades... They were literally just throwing those names in there like it meant nothing. Like it meant nothing. And I understand talking to NBA guys when it comes to getting a player like Donovan Mitchell. It's it's literally about give me everything you have. Give me everything you have and I'll give you this player. But if you look at what the Cavs did, the Cavs didn't do that. They gave the number one draft pick from this past draft, Agbaji, but... Beyond that, they didn't give them the core of their of their team. Markkanen had a good season last year, but they really did not use Mark. And this is a shame for Cavs, for the Cavs. But they really did not use Markkanen the way he's being used in Utah, where he's the most improved player candidate and was an NBA All Star. They didn't use him that way. They played them out of position, and and it worked, and it worked for them. 
as a team, but he seemed expendable. And in reality, their prospects as a team, they're not any less without marketing on the roster. A Donovan Mitchell addition and a marketing subtraction is is head and shoulders a win for the Cavaliers, even though they didn't know what they had in marketing, which is a shame and it might rear his ugly head in the future. Who knows? But that's kind of what they didn't they didn't think they were trading an NBA all-star in that trade, is my point. The Nick players that were likely to go in that trade to Donovan, they weren't going with any value. They were going as contract fillers and uh, give me everything you got type scenario. Now you're looking at it and you see what Quentin Grimes is. You see what Quickly is. Six man, six man of the year. He literally should win that award, even though it might go to Brogdon. He should literally win that award. It's the Knicks were more reliant on Quickly than the, than the Celtics, who were in the finals last year without Brogdon, are on Brogdon. I don't care how good Brogdon has been. I don't care how good he's been for the Celtics. The Celtics have two superstars on their team. They have a defensive player of the year candidate every year. They have a team that went to the NBA Finals and had an opportunity to win a championship. That's the team he went to. Brogdon, as good as he's been, has not been as valuable to the Celtics as quickly has been to the Knicks. And literally, the Knicks would be probably a lottery team if quickly was not on this team. And that's the guy, one of the guys, that was being sent in the Donovan Mitchell trade without that level of value being being appreciated. And these are the players that, listen, Randall, excellent season. The numbers of Randall, there's only three players in the league putting up numbers, numbers that Randall's putting up. 25, 10, 4, 5 assists, 46% from the field, 34% from three, which is not great, but he shoots a very high volume. Okay, this guy has been off the charts all year long. Take the good and the bad. He's been off the charts all year long. But the Knicks could have had that season from Randall and not been this good. Brunson is the reason why the Knicks are as good as they are. But when Brunson comes out the game, understand that the starters usually play to a standstill against other team starters. The Knicks could literally be in every game, have chance to win a handful of them, but it's quickly that has literally won games for them. That Even with Brunson and Randall on the court, he's won games for them the second half of the season. He's won games for them. Literally could have had average 25, 27 points from Randall and Brunson and still lost games because quickly did not play. Because in order to win some of these games... You need a third guy, and that third guy isn't always R.J. Barrett. <clears throat> Do we want to get into that? That third guy has been quickly for most of the year. Now Grimes is stepping up. But it's not always R.J., because even when R.J. has good games, he's so inefficient sometimes. Not all the time, but he's so inefficient sometimes, especially from three, that he's not always helping you. Have you seen the... The numbers, the the value over replacement numbers and the plus minus numbers with R.J. Barrett is like he's one of the worst players in the league. 
Like, he hurts the team so much when he's on the floor. And I don't understand why people don't see it. It's like, it's the simple things. It's the lack of deflections. It's the lack of steals. It's the lack of box outs. It's the lack of hustle. It's the lack of closeouts. It's the it's the selfish plays offensively when he should be making passes. And you saw that play with Obi Toppin. And in fairness, that Obi Toppin alley-oop had to be thrown, but it was a tough alley-oop. Okay? It was a tough alley-oop. It had to be thrown. A better passer throws that pass. You live with the results. I don't blame Obi for, for cursing him out on that bench and for them getting into that little tussle because R.J. Barrett is very selfish. He doesn't pass the ball when he needs to pass the ball. He gets selfish when he has the ball. He doesn't advance the ball when he needs to advance it. Randall is just as bad at that. Again, which is why the Knicks might be a better and more efficient offensive team without either of them on the court, even though without Julius Randle, you invite other problems. You got somebody who's averaging 10 rebounds a game and get you some inside scoring, whereas a lot of your other players outside of Brunson are not going to get you a ton of inside scoring. But if Randall's not in the paint, if Randall's not fighting for offensive rebounds, if Randall is not going to the basket, then the things that Randall does well that the Knicks can't replace, it's irrelevant because he's not doing it. He doesn't do it all the time. He doesn't do it throughout the game. He does it in spurts. If Randall is just outside shooting threes and isolating and shooting fadeaways, well, the Knicks can find other shots. They can find just as good as shots doing other things. And that's the dirty little secret here. It's the same thing with R.J. Barrett. Even when he's having a good game, it's how he's having a good game. It's what kind of shots he's taking. Can the Knicks find that same quality of shots with a heightened level of efficiency from somebody else quickly or Grimes? You got somebody like R.J. who's shooting a terrible percentage from three, but Quentin Grimes can shoot a better percentage. You know, quickly is going to shoot a better percentage. So they don't necessarily need his three-point shooting if he's going to be missing. His ability to finish at the front of the rim, which has not been terrible this year, but a lot of them are forced shots. If we're going to have somebody force a shot in the paint, how about it be Brunson? <laughs> how about how about it be how about it be Grimes off an attack closeout? Why do you? Why does the Why do the Knicks need R.J. Barrett to force those shots up at the front of the rim? I'm not saying the Knicks are a better team without Randall, but it there's a there's a debate to be had that if Rand the best version of Randall is not on the floor, that they are they can be a better team without Randall. If Randall's just outside shooting threes and not necessarily making them. Or shooting, like, the right before he got hurt, he started doing that mid-range fadeaway shot again. And I'm not talking about the one in the middle of the lane, which I think is a good shot for him. I'm talking about 15 feet from the basket on the wing, shooting high-arcing fadeaways on Bam out of Io. If that's the Randall that we're getting, the Randall who isolates and holds the ball too long, if that's the Randall that we're getting, then yes, the Knicks might be better off with some of the other rotation players playing his spot. If you're getting a Randall who's mixing it up, attacking, closeouts, hitting threes, driving to the basket, uh, getting offensive rebounds and fighting, you put there. if you're getting that Randall, then you're not a better team without. But there's a very strong argument, an extremely strong argument, that the Knicks are a better team without R.J. Barrett playing. So if we're going to talk about 
the offseason and where this Nick where, where this Nick team goes from here, that conversation has got to be had. You cannot have literally one of the worst. And when I say this, understand what I'm saying is you guys get hung up on talent and ability to do this and that. What your effect on the floor is. What's your effect on the floor? You know, RJ Barrett can do this and he could do that and he could score and get put 30. Like, fine, fine, fine. But there are so many other aspects to the game that you have to contribute to in order for your team to be to win. That you can't underscore those things because you see a guy has a little bit of talent. There are other things that have to happen for that team to win that you have to do. And in fairness, RJ had gotten, a, he's gotten better at it. He was out in the Washington game because he was sick. Maybe he was sick against the Cavs on Friday. I don't know. I don't know. Part of me, part of me is wondering if RJ was sat with a little bit of a cold because he needed to be sat. And this is an internal matter at this point. Even though him and Obi squashed it, RJ Barrett, he's not always, he's not always playing, not always on the same page with everybody else. Whole team moving the ball, whole team finding open players. R.J. Barrett out there looking for his own shot sometimes. And after that little beef with Obi Toppin, he was moving the ball much better. He passed the ball to Obi a couple times, and everyone passed the ball to Obi a couple times. I think Obi made a mess of of the whole situation in that huddle because Obi got the ball several times after that in that cab. I think Obi had about enough of being missed on all the oops and being missed on the basket and being missed on kickouts. I think he had about enough. I think he told the whole team about themselves because they passed to him several times after that. And Brunson misses Obi a lot too. Brunson has a hard time seeing open players at the front of the rim. One of the things that Nick started doing is when Brunson would get double teamed, instead of Brunson doing the same thing that Randall does, which is Randall holds the ball trying to find the dime pass instead of making the easy passes right in front of him and trusting the teammate to make that pass and get the hockey assist, so to speak. A couple times in the last few games, you've seen Brunson do that. He's still a little slow on it. Still a little slow on it, but he makes the pass to the top of the key or the free throw line, and he trusts the guy to make the next pass. So he has to continue getting better at that. But listen, this R.J. Barrett thing, I'm not an R.J. Barrett hater. I've made excuses. I've been very objective about him. And what he can do and what he can't do. I think there's been regression this year in his physical abilities, his athletic abilities. I think he probably put on too much weight or something. Uh, I don't like his level of focus all the time, even though he's been better this last couple months. He wasn't great against the Cavs. But listen, let, let it be known. Let it be said. Let it be understood. Outside of a handful of matchups here and there. Now, Without both Randall and RJ, no, that's 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 going to be hard to work. But I think the Knicks are in an addition by subtraction situation with RJ Barrett. This is not a problem that can be solved right now. This is not prisoner of the moment. RJ Barrett has had some good games. It's just that RJ Barrett's good games don't always come. They don't come very often, and when he does have like. Decent games, they're not always efficient. So it's what's the point? That's what you guys don't get. A guy putting up 20 points is meaningless if he's going to shoot 43% from the field and 30% from three. It doesn't mean anything. 
just taking a lot of shots, shots that other people could get, shots that would get other people in rhythm that might lead to them making more shots down the stretch of the games. Now you saw with Obi, if you watch Obi all year, when Obi starts, he plays decently. It's very nice numbers when he starts. 20 points per game, 50% from the field, like silly numbers when he starts. And we've talked about this. OB needs to be a pro in his 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes when he gets to play. He don't really get 20 minutes a lot of times. 15 minutes. He has to be a pro. Is it hard? Yes, but he has to be a pro. He has to be more efficient with his opportunities. He has to be more of a professional basketball player in those 15 minutes. He can't just be a guy who's who, oh, if I start, I can play well. Like, no. You have to do well in the role that you're you're being asked to play. And I understand that's difficult. I understand that that's true for a lot of guys. But you've been here too long to be on some, I can't play well unless I start. I can't play well unless I play 30 minutes. But I think more importantly than anything, maybe as importantly, the Knicks have to be better passers for all of these guys to be better players. That's Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin specifically. Josh Hart, finds he finds a way. He's a pro. But they have to be better passers. And unfortunately, RJ is not that. Randall's not enough of that. And Brunson, the ball was in his hands too much a lot of this year. And, and guys do get kind of lost in the sauce. But less so than the other guys. Less so than RJ and Randall. I think RJ is the biggest problem. Even though the ball's not in his hands that much. When it is, he gets real selfish. It's no longer about the team. It's about you. And... I think you're really out of place with this team. That they're they're now that Josh Hart is here. I think the Knicks are literally a better team without RJ Barrett playing. You can't be without RJ and Randall. But if RJ is not going to be the best version of himself, if he's not going to be out there defending and, and making tough shots at the front of the rim, rotating, using his size, rebounding, hitting open corner threes. If he if he's not going to be able to create opportunities off screen and roll, then what it what are you doing? The Knicks can find the Knicks can find that same offense he's giving people because he's not giving anything else. He's not giving you steals. He's not giving you a bunch of rebounds. He's not giving you a bunch of assists. He's not not doing anything but scoring, and he's not always scoring efficiently. The Knicks can find those scores somewhere else. R.J. Barrett just got a brand new contract. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's some fool around the league that thinks they can salvage R.J. Barrett. I think the Knicks would be happy to trade him. Not for not not attach a pick to trade him. Not trade him at negative value. I'd much rather roll the dice that R.J. is going to come back better next year because he didn't really play this offseason. He talked about that, his contract. They go with the contract negotiations. He didn't play that much in the offseason. and didn't work out that much in the offseason. Guess trying not to get hurt. And it showed. It showed. So I don't think the Knicks are going to give him away. But if there's some opportunity comes up to get that, that next superstar that the Knicks have been looking for, R.J. Barrett happily get moved in that trade. I think at this point. I think they'd be happy to move him. Because I know it pains Thibodeau to put him out there knowing he's dragging the team down. And he could put Josh Hart out there, and the Knicks could be a plus 10 almost automatically. Anyway, SportsEthos.com, check it out. Check out at SportsEthos on Twitter, 
at Ethos Knicks. Join the conversation. I'm out there talking to myself half the time. I still love it. I'm still into it. Playoffs on deck. Three games left in the season. The Pacers twice. Halliburton's not going to play. But a lot of those guys that are playing are a pain in the butt. You saw that with the Wizards. These guys come out with something to prove every night. Nobody's easy. The Knicks' magic number, I believe, is two for the fifth seed. The Nets are two and a half games back. I believe that the Heat are knocked out in terms of chasing the Knicks down. It's just about the Nets at this point. I actually, I don't think they're knocked out. I think, no. Let me see. Knicks are the Knicks are the fifth seed. So, yeah, I don't think the Heat can catch them. I think that's what the clinching of the playoffs, playoffs were. It would either be the Nets or the Heat um, in the fifth seed. No, the Heat, I guess the Heat can still catch them. I think the Heat are four games back with three games to play. So I haven't, I haven't really, I haven't really heard that the Heat can still catch the Knicks, and and it would be the Heat and the Knicks in five and six. Seeds if the Knicks, you know, lose lose ground in the standing. I think it would only be the Nets, but whatever. The Nets are two and a half games back. They play the Timberwolves, I blink I believe, tomorrow. A game the Timberwolves have to win. That's a tough game for both teams. If the Nets lose that game, the Knicks only need to win one game in the next three to clinch that fifth seed. I believe that's how it's gonna work. Hopefully the Nets lose that game, and that way the Knicks can play the Pelicans and probably take a loss because the Pelicans, again, the Cavs didn't need to win that game, but they wanted to win that game. The Pelicans need to win, and they got their asses kicked when they came to the Garden a few weeks back. So you know there's a revenge game, and they they need to win for the standings, for their own standings' sake. That's going to be a tough game for the Knicks with no Randall. Uh, you want the Knicks to, you want the Knicks to win this next Pacer game. You want the Nets to lose their Timberwolves game, so the Knicks can rest the last couple of games this season. The one concern that I would have is when Brunson misses games, he comes back a little bit huffy and puffy, not in the same shape. You're going to see that with Randall. In the playoffs, and when he comes back in the playoffs, you're going to see him be a little huffy and puffy. So the Knicks need to rest, but I don't know if the Knicks need to not, like not play Brunson. But who knows? I'm not an expert. I don't think they're experts either. I just noticed that Brunson seems to get out of shape real. I mean, I think this is true for a lot of players. Once they once they sit out a couple games, they're not used. The body's not used to it. You got guys that have been sitting sitting out every other game all year long. So I, their bodies are used to it. But Brunson, not not so much. And Randall, definitely not so much. And you already saw Randall starting getting tired towards the end of the season. So on one hand, the rest is welcomed. But when he comes back, he's going right and jumping out of the frying pan and into the fire against the Cavs in that playoff series. He's not going to have his win either. So and the Knicks are going to have some time off. Now that they're actually in the real playoffs and that top six seed, they're going to have some time off before the series starts anyway. So and it's a tricky thing. You don't want the, you don't want these players playing, you know, 30 minutes. But I don't think I don't think it's a bad idea to have them start the game. And I don't know. You know what? Because if one of those guys gets hurt, you can forget it. Tibbs is done.
Tibbs is done. So maybe maybe sit them and just work them hard in practice and make sure they keep their wind up. I don't got the answers, but I can't wait to see it. That's for sure. So make sure you check out at Ethos Knicks on Twitter. Sports Ethos at Sports Ethos on Twitter. Check them out. SportsEthos.com. We'll say it again. Until next time.